The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hi, this is Jim. And this is Bax. Check out our podcast, The Step Over, Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, for all of your Sixers needs. Player analysis, game breakdowns, who would look coolest in a headband, and more. Subscribe to Liberty Ballers podcast feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and check out The Step Over, a podcast about Sixers basketball. Mostly. Michael Kist, Benjamin Solak. It's the Kist and Solak Show, presented by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. You are flying high on the Kist and Solak Show. This is episode 60, brought to you by the fine folks at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. You can follow me on Twitter at Michael Kist NFL. As always, joined by the best doggone co-host in the game, Mr. 8-Year Streak. Without a bad day, he is Benjamin Solak. Follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. Ben, how you doing, brother? Mike, every day is a good day to be alive. I appreciate you asking. I'm also very excited for this, episode 60, which is the nobody game. Bellow is 59, <laughs> Wisniewski is 61. I don't know if that, that may, is that bad news for the upcoming very important weekend? That means it's a trap game. It does. That's the universe. Though it is very interesting. Old Johnny Stoles uh, of BGN Radio wrote that the Eagles are basically hoping for help for a week 17 playoff berth, which is also what they had to do in 1988, what they had to do with 2008. And Mike, I don't know if you noticed, both of those years end in eights, and this year ends in an eight. Hmm. Ooh. Very interesting. Yeah, so <laughs> math. Eagles are gonna make the playoffs. Ben, what do you have? What are your expectations just coming into this weekend? Like this is going to be frantic as far as what we have to keep track of, and we'll kind of get into some of the other matchups yeah. too. But like even like the outside stuff, the, the Eagles aren't the only team that obviously needs some help. For instance, in the AFC, the Kansas City Chiefs could either be a one seed or fall all the way to the five seed. They play Oakland. Yeah. They have a ton of scenarios that could impact their seating and a potential buy that all have several moving parts that I won't confuse you, gentle listener, with here. The Titans could be a two seed or miss the playoffs altogether, which is just a microcosm of that team if I have ever seen one. They have to get past the Colts. But they might have to do it with Blaine Gabbert at quarterback. Right now, Mariota is questionable. And the Colts can get in if they win. And if Houston loses, the Steelers 
having gone one and four in their last five, need to win or tie, and Baltimore needs to tie or lose, respectively, against the Browns if the Steelers are going to sneak in. It's just weird that when we did our power rankings about a month or month or so ago, Ben, mm-hmm. Ben said I was too soon on the Bears, but they might actually get a bye. And meanwhile, a team that Ben really liked. Ben put wow. the Steelers in his top five. They need I would like for it to be the known Browns. that I'm being blindsided right now with this <laughs> random power ranking pull out we did a month ago. I was not ready for this. Two things. One, I don't think the Bears are very good. I think the Bears are a great defense in a time when great offense is a much stronger predictor of winning and being successful. At any given time, I think Trubisky could lay an egg. Oh, and yeah. now the Bears, the Bears are trying to win a game 10-6, and that is a very hard thing to do in general in the NFL. It's even harder to do in the playoffs, and it's harder to do multiple times. I don't feel much different about the Bears than I do about the Cowboys, honestly. The, the, the main advantage that the Bears have over the Cowboys, in my opinion, is that they have much more creative and intuitive offensive designs, yes. which helps mask the issues that they have at quarterback. So Very true. I view the Bears as a team capable of beating the Vikings for sure. I view the, te- the Bears as a team capable of beating the Eagles, though I think the Eagles would stand a better chance against them than the Vikings in a you know uh, wildcard game. But I do not view the Bears as a team that can get through two of three games, or I, they can get through back-to-back games against the Saints and the Rams. That to me seems very unlikely, and then they'd have to go play an AFC, uh, an AFC team, likely an all high-powered offense in the Super Bowl. And so, so Bears don't scare me that much. Steelers, man, <laughs> my pops is a huge Steeler fan. My mo- my sister's a huge Steeler fan. Uh, I'm with them right now. Obviously, I'm home for for winter break. I'm gonna be with them on Sunday. Obviously, sweating through it. We we have to go to a wedding reception on Sunday, Mike, and <laughs> we gotta find a way to get the heck out of there. Uh, before 4.20, so we've been planning that for the past, like, three days. Is there a mutiny going on there with your family members as far as, like, setting a firm time to where, like, look, at some point, we're gone? I told my mother explicitly that there is one and only one family member who I will not bodily fight to get out of that reception at four, and it's my grandmother, and I just, I, I would get in too much trouble. So everybody else is fair game, however. Low cousins, big cousins, I don't care. They can all get some. You know, I've been suffering through some Steelers stuff, you know, empathetically with them, and the Steelers, like you said, one and four in the last five games. This is a team that had the Chargers beat and then yeah. lost to them. This is a team that had the, the, the Raiders, lost to the Raiders because they just couldn't find a kicking game. Like, this team is so much better than the teams that they play during the plays and the quarters that don't matter. And then when, you know, the kind of the rubber hits the road, they just falter. And I don't know uh, if that's coaching. I don't know if that's, you know, just at the end of the day, personnel not being up to snuff. The defensive backfield is a big complaint. But to me, the Steelers lose far more often than teams beat the Steelers. You know what I'm saying? So so that's kind of where I fall uh, in terms of that. Steelers shouldn't be a top five team right now. I don't think they are a top five team right now. But those are, that's my defense, my power rankings. I want to ask you this, though, yeah. because you said there's so much stuff that we're paying attention to. This is I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying thinking about this weekend this way, so I want to hear your thoughts. Three things. One, Eagles lose to the Redskins. Oh. Two, Vikings beat the Bears. Three, Rams are leading the Niners so much that the Bears are fine with losing to the Vikings. These are the three things that could screw the Eagles' season, right? Order them. Most concerned to least concerned will actually happen. Actually, wait. Order them least concerned to most concerned. Work up. So, Eagles lose to the Redskins. Vikings beat the Bears. Rams take such a big lead over the Niners that the Bears have no reason to play against the Vikings. Which concerns you the least? 
the least I would say it's the Eagles and the Redskins game for sure. Right. Which is great because that's what we're going to talk about on this podcast. So exactly. keep listening. Yeah, it's it's actually a preview show for the Redskins and Eagles, but it's it feels like such a gimme game that we're not doing our normal like crazy in-depth right. like these are the scheme things that you're looking for. We are going to preview it. We are going to talk about it. We're going to talk about some scenarios that if the Eagles do lose – this is probably what that looks like, but I'm not really concerned about this game going against the Eagles considering the quarter. I mean, we were talking about this before the show, Ben, the coaching, the quarterback play, the talent, like everything says that the Eagles should take this game. So I'm least concerned about that. I think the second least concern that I would have is the Rams blowing out the 49ers by halftime yeah. to a point where Matt Nagy would have to or it would be smart for him to pull his starters. And right now it's looking like that's even more in more jeopardy for the Rams because Todd Gurley is not going to be playing in week 17, but they have been getting good running play outside of him, but he's just a major facet of that offense. Now them getting their groove back against the Arizona Cardinals without Todd Gurley, how much stock mm -hmm. do you put in that? I don't know. The Cardinals aren't all that good. Is that who they played last week, if I'm yeah. not mistaken? You're giving me a look. I want to confirm. Yes, that's correct. That's correct. Okay. My producer has I was my, my stank face was about the Cardinals being a team in the world. Definitely. Yeah, they're not a team. So that's kind of where I'm coming from with that. So that's the second thing that, I, that I'm least concerned with. As far as the most concerning thing, I absolutely do think that it is the Bears and the Vikings right. game and the Vikings being able to get it done. I mean, Kirk Cousins hasn't been exactly great lately. But he's such a high variance player that he could pull one out and hang 30 again, which would be weird against this defense. But the defense isn't starting everyone either. And like you alluded to before, I think you tweeted out a while ago, the Bears are going to be liberal with their injury report. And I think you have on you who they're not going to be playing for this game. Is that correct? Because I think Eddie Jackson, the great safety, the young safety is going to be one of them, right? Yeah, absolutely. So Eddie Jackson is one of the names that we will not be seeing play. Eddie Jackson is a, I believe he was selected to the Pro Bowl. If he wasn't, everybody should die. Um, and he's definitely going to be an all-pro candidate. On top of that, you have Allen Robinson, who's obviously the uh, outside wide receiver and is good receiver there for the Bears. First-year acquisition, he's been in and out of the lineup this year. So I don't think that's too big of a hit for their offense. They've like existed and been fine without him. Aaron Lynch is the third name who will not be playing in that game as well. Now, Lynch and Jackson were both... Very limited practices, did not participate for Jackson pretty much into this entire week. Um, so those kind of make more sense. Uh, Robinson smells to me like one where they're just being overly cautious with him. Uh, he was a guy who was a limited participant in practice. He probably could be a go if necessary. But I very much agree with your order. And I think if you're even to like make it a degree thing, I uh, my lowest concern would be the Rams Niners. I think you can pretty much completely wipe that out. Niners have been playing some tough ball, man. They really right. have. Rams have been shaky. Eagles should know this well as better as well as anybody else. <laughs> Niners have been scrappy. Niners have been a problem. And Kyle Shanahan is a very, very good December coach. He's got a fantastic record in the month of December. His team loves playing for him, so there's not going to be any semblance of a buyout because it's week 17 and there's nothing really on the line for the Niners. Yeah. They've shown a willingness to win football games, even though they have like a, fir a first overall, second overall pick on the line, right? This is a team that's got a lot of spunk to them. I'm sure they want to go out. And beat the Rams. You know, like Shanahan versus McVay is like a thing, even though right now, obviously, the teams are heading in two vastly different directions, mostly because of injuries for the Niners. Shanahan versus McVay is absolutely a thing. Shanahan's going to have that team up and ready to play. 
I I I have no more concern that this will be a first half blowout than I do in any other game in NFL. You know what I mean? Like it's no more yeah. likely than just for any other game. There's always like a random chance, but to me that's that's the least likely. I'm barely concerned about it. And then the Eagles Redskins, as you said. For the Eagles to win four of their last five and then to not handle business in one of the easiest games they've had left with their best chance of the playoffs on the line would be shocking, yeah. especially with Nick Foles back there. The only way I could see them losing is if they incur significant injury to the quarterback position, I would say. I don't think Nick Foles is capable of losing the game that might be his last for the Philadelphia Eagles. So, you know, uh, accordingly, those two things to me, uh, I don't want to call Eagles Redskins a gimme, knock wood, because that's obviously very risky. But to me, Rams Niners is a gimme. Eagles Redskins is next to a gimme. What matters here is if the Vikings under Mike Zimmer, new offensive coordinator, will be able to get up against a division rival team that is still playing for something, and I'm sure wants to win the game. The whole, the right. whole like intentionally lose to the Vikings just to get the Vikings in 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 weeks uh, in the wild card week. That's such a hard sell, especially with a buy on the line. That's so weird. Yeah, why would you want to play an extra game ever in the playoffs? Right. And and it's like, you know, like, oh, well like they really don't want to play the Eagles, they want to play the Vikings. To to have that mentality as a as a team and to communicate that openly is to indicate from like the coaches to the players, hey, we're not sure you guys could beat the Eagles, so <laughs> yeah. we need to make sure we get the Vikings. And that's like, even if right. that's true, and I don't dispute that probably like Nagy and Pace have thought about like, man, probably would be better to get the Vikings as as, a, as opposed to the Eagles in, in the wildcard week. Like, I don't dispute that's been a thought. The thing is, how do you get the entire organization on that page? Like optics, it's so bad. Yeah. There's so much going into that Vikings-Bears game. Obviously, the win and end situation for the Vikings, so you expect them to come out and play well. Think it'll be a four-quarter game. Think we're going to have to, you know, bring it down to the wire, tear our hair out a little bit. But the Bears should be favored. They're not Vegas-wise, but the Bears should be favored to win the game. Uh, and obviously, the hope is that they do. And so we'll see what happens there. One of the things that I wanted to dial back on and, and touch on is the 49ers from their standpoint. Just thinking about it, you know, everyone wants to, every fan at this point of the season, when you start getting that draft position, every fan wants the team to tank. Who in the organization does it benefit to tank in a week 17 game, Ben? Can you, can you name who you think it might benefit to where they would be motivated to push the needle that way? The general manager? Right. Who does not really have much of an impact over, like, in-game performance. Because it's going to help him with talent acquisition. Does it help any of the players whatsoever, whether they're drafting two or five? No. They want to put out good tape, right? Yeah, absolutely. They want to beat a divisional rival. The thing about tanking at the NFL level, obviously every game carries more weight. Like, when you're tanking, like, we're Philadelphia sports. I know you don't follow the Sixers closely but when you're taking tanking at the nba level right obviously you're taking for a lottery pick because the nba draft is so heavy in the first few picks and then kind of when you get out of it it's it's tricky to find really valuable potential star talent not so much so with the nfl draft now you have so many more games in a season so tanking is a thing that's like a more consistently viable method because right. you can, there's enough games that you can lose enough to really get underneath everybody. Whereas, like the one game, the the 17 games, 16 games in the NFL season, losing one, like obviously can like be a big ricochet. Like right now, the Giants have like a five to 12 spread in terms of where they could pick right. with this like one win or loss against the Cowboys in Week 17. Like I don't dispute that, but the point being that like because there are so few games to truly like tank. You would have to try to lose like every single one. Right. You're know, like just tanking the one game. Like, like you basically have a mindset for 14, 15 weeks of the season. And then you try to change it in the last three games just for draft positioning in a point where like if there are 
if you've got 20 first round grades, which like most teams are going to have around 20 first round grades, picking between six and two, like obviously it's going to give you different guys, but you're still going to end up with a dude you're, you're really into. You're still going to end up with a guy you're very happy about. It, this isn't so much the NBA draft where it's like, all right, there are these three, four, five really blue chip names. And then after that, it's like, all right, can he be a role player for us? Like, you know, you, you can get starters at multiple rounds in the NFL draft. So tanking doesn't hold as much value when it comes to the, the talent pool, in my opinion. And so you don't see that as much in the NFL. Nothing about the Niners fits the profile of a team who's going to limp out to week 17. It is not a lame duck coach, one. Mm-hmm. Two, it's a super young team, which yeah. means they care a ton about winning. Right, like you, you get a super old team who, like, you know, like you get the Carson Palmer Arizona Cardinals last year. Screw it, you know what I mean? Like that team is old. There wasn't a lot of like going for them, like young players wise. You know, it's a super young team with a lot going. They're very like scrappy. Nick Mullins has been playing well. Mullins is trying to play himself into a better position, so you know Mullins is going to be fired up. And then it's a divisional game against another super young head coach with another young team that's obviously going to come out there and be scrappy. They're going to go and compete. Like, you know, I will be shocked if the Rams (laughs) have a significant enough lead on the Niners. I'll be shocked to the point where you can see a discernible change in the Bears quarter or half one versus half two. There was a slim chance at this time last week. Now, to me, it's a 0% chance with the way things have, have, have flipped out. Should the Eagles, because right now the Eagles range for a draft pick is anywhere from 17 to 32. Should they tank to get that 17th pick? Well, here's the thing. We talked about the Steelers. Philadelphia fans, like if you still kind of hold on to that Philly-Pittsburgh rivalry, which isn't so much a thing with my generation, you got to root for the Steelers this week, baby. You got to root for them. They need to beat the the Bengals, and they need the Browns to beat the Ravens. Right. Get the Ravens out of the playoffs. The Eagles have the Ravens' second-round pick from uh, last season. The trade, the Ravens moved up to 32 to get Lamar Jackson. Eagles moved back, and then eventually forward to 49 to get Dallas Goddard. So if they make the playoffs, it's going to be at early as 53 maybe even later against strength of schedule and tiebreakers and stuff. And then every round the Ravens go further in the playoffs, that pick was further back and back and back and back and back. The difference between 52 and 59 is not nominal. It is, it is significant enough. You know, like I said, Philadelphia moved forward about that number of spots in the middle of the second round to make sure they got Dallas Goddard. Like that is a range where you are still drafting people who are very important. You are still making some pretty significant moves. So you got to be rooting. We need the uh, Bengals to lose to the Steelers. And the Browns beat the Ravens, knock the Ravens out of the playoffs, ensure that second round pick stays as valuable as possible. So there you go. That's that's your tank watch for the day. That's your (laughs) draft pick interest. Them and the Giants, who if the Giants end up picking like freaking 12 or whatever the height it is that they can pick, I will lose my mind. That would be hilarious. Uh, The Giants will end up picking Daniel Jones, the Duke quarterback, and I'm going to lose my mind. No, 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 no. Jaguars. Uh, Listen, Daniel Jones, no quarterback in my, has ever looked more like a Tom Coughlin quarterback than freaking Daniel Jones. Oh man, I'm so excited. I already have, I already have a tweet out. I already have a tweet just floating out there. It's like, I'm excited for the Jaguars to draft Daniel Jones. I'm going to let that puppy simmer. And the second they draft him, I'm going to retweet living daylights out of it. <laughs> so that's been Tank Talk here on the Kiston Solak Show. Let's, let's oh, pivot gross. here to a bit of an abbreviated preview at least compared to what we normally do. Instead of breaking it up for each side of the ball with different shows, we're sticking with one show to try and preview both sides because, for me, it comes down to this. You're playing against Josh Johnson, Ben. This is a team that has lost five of the last six, and if you lose to Josh Johnson, is there a preview show in the world that could accurately explain what that looks like other than just everything going wrong? But, I mean, last week against the Tennessee Titans, this Washington team – did keep it within one score until literally 
the last play of the game in a desperation ended up in a pick six. So as much as we want to act like this is a gimme, you can't tell Titans fans that right now because that was a butt clencher of a game. And the Redskins were able to stay in that game on the back of their defense and on the back of their running game. And Josh Johnson, for his part, wasn't as terrible as you would expect from the Redskins' fourth quarterback of the year. You know what I can tell Titans fans right now? What's that? Redskins didn't keep things close because the Redskins are good, baby. Titans played horrible. Redskins kept things close because the Titans are bad. They're so Which, weird. yes, I can't you beat us in week four. I get it. Listen, <laughs> what is, obviously Mariota went down. And so, you old Gain Blabbert, my favorite quarterback <laughs> in the entire world. Go to old Gain. Little Blabbert, little Blabberty Blabbert, was out there just slinging the pill, baby, living his dreams. <laughs> Titans aren't that good. Titans are going to get waxed by the Colts. Titans aren't going to make the playoffs. That game was ugly, stem to stern. I was watching that game before I went to the Sixers-Raptors game. Uh, so I was at Xfinity Live watching that game, and nobody in that game was good at football. Not even one player. Josh Johnson is a veteran. And he is mobile. And so what that means is when, and we had this, you know, the Watson experience, we're going to have a similar thing. If he can get out of the pocket, he's going to make good decisions on scramble plays where his receivers are able to separate and improv and get away from man coverage, whatever. Josh Johnson in the pocket, the pocket can't really throw further than like 15, 20 yards down the field well. Uh, and he can't really throw outside of the hashes very well. He's just not an accurate player, which is why he's the fourth quarterback that we're dealing with. It's worth noting uh, he will be throwing to not Jordan Reed and probably not Jamison Crowder, who's also questionable for this upcoming game. Right. Uh, he will be doing it behind, again, a violated offensive line. Tony Bergstrom, the uh, right guard slash center, depending on who's healthy, is also questionable for this upcoming game. Mike, I know you're, I'm taking your, your injury report stuff away. Weapons are bad. Offensive line is bad. Quarterback is bad. If you let him escape and run around and chuck stuff all around the field, he's going to be able to generate yards on you. Right. Uh, the biggest issue, like we said, from a if the Eagles lose this game, this is how they lost it perspective. Knock wood. If you let Adrian Peterson get 25 carries for 275 bajillion yards on you and you let the yeah. Redskins hold the ball for more than 37 minutes, like that's what it's going to be. If I'm Jay Gruden and I feel like maybe playing spoiler a little for this game, my game plan is I'm going to come out. I'm going to run tons of outside zone. I'm going to gash five, six-yard runs with Adrian Peterson getting upfield and, and being very physical in a late Week 17 game where everybody's beat up and Eagles heads are elsewhere. I'm going to try to rip off a couple of really big runs. I'm going to get deep into the play clock as much as I can, and I'm just going to try to win the time of possession game. I'm going to rely on my defense to get me some stops, get me some short fields, and I'm going to pound the rock. Not a winning formula in most of today's NFL, but that's what it'll look like if the Redskins beat the Eagles. Yeah, and against the Titans, Adrian Peterson, what was it, 26 carries, 119 yards on the ground, and this patchwork line for the Redskins was actually moving bodies for a little bit. But this, as you mentioned, the decimated line for the Redskins, they were giving right. Tim Settle, but he was their backup emergency guard, and it was very close to him having to play defensive tackle <laughs> rookie Tim Settle with the athleticism of a chair. Bless Tim Settle. Tim Settle was a great study in the NFL draft because Tim Settle was 335 pounds. And everybody was like, hey, being he's 335 pounds, that's really big. And then yeah. you watch his film and you're like, hey, do you know how it doesn't help him at all? Like, you know how he's not strong or, 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 or powerful it's or just good? Mess. Right? It's just like he's just a big dude to be a big dude. But regardless, here's the thing. When you 
have a, a starting offensive line that's been together for a while like Philadelphia does and they're good athletes, that's when you get to run your traps and your whams and your tackle wraps and your darts and all the stuff you see in Philadelphia running with a ton of success and they're doing all that good stuff because they can communicate very well and they understand, okay, like, you know, I'm Jason Kelsey, I'm playing next to Brandon Brooks. Brooks has a two-eye on him. Well, I know that Brooks will, you know, give him this contact and I can fit right in here. We've done this a thousand times, whatever. So they know how to man block really well. Okay, read the linebacker. I'm going to climb. You're going to stay. And they can adjust on the fly. I always remember it was the Eagles against the Redskins last year. Brent Selleck was the tight end and is an H-back. They're running an H-back ISO lead. And Jason Kelsey had a responsibility, read that he was slanting and just gave him up and climbed to the second level and let Brent Selleck handle him because they've been playing together for long enough that Kelsey knew Selleck would pick that up and Kelsey knew Selleck would have a better angle and Kelsey knew he had a better angle than the second level guy. And it was a big game. They're backed up against their their, their goal line. And that's a classic play. We're talking about the the... Chemistry and the continuity in the offensive line. When you have a super injured offensive line, guys who haven't been playing together for a while, guys who don't have that, you run inside and outside zone because now they're not blocking a man, they're blocking a zone. And you just follow zone rules and you run inside zone, you run split zone, you run mid zone, you run outside zone, and you just keep it going, keep it going, keep it going. That's what they did against the Titans. Yeah. And then when you have a back like Adrian Peterson, who for everything he is at his advanced age, is still an annoying combination of big and fast. Like that's very inconvenient to deal with. Uh, outside zone is great because you get defenders running horizontally and then you get the big and fast guy going vertically. But that's a freaking problem for the defenders who are not going the right direction. So you're going to see a ton of zone from the, the skins. And we saw this even in our first game against them because the offensive line is so banged up that you can't really run a ton of man concepts. You can only really run the simple stuff because it's hard to execute the rules with guys who are moving positions and haven't played next to each other for a while. So you shut down Peterson. There's nowhere for this offense to go. There's no propping up Josh Johnson. It was something other than the run game. And really, this defensive line played excellence against the Redskins last time out, with the obvious exception of the 90-yard touchdown run. And even that was more of a fit and fill issue from the second and third level guys. And other than that, AP was eight carries for eight yards. Chris Thompson went three carries for three yards. So overall, if you get another performance like that, you throw in some more snaps for Timmy Jernigan, who only played 26% of the snaps last week. And you can even throw in a long touchdown. It's just not efficient over the life of the game. It's not sustainable for the Redskins to be successful. Yeah, the the big issue here being... Uh, is whether or not Jordan Hicks is able to play. Do we have right. news on Hicks? Yes, I do. And I've got news on all that. Thank you for that transition. See, Mike, when you've been podcasting together for a while, you can really man block it out well. You're in chemistry. Pass off the 2 eye technique. Brent Selleck. I'm Jason yeah. Kelsey in this situation. Sounds and here good. comes Tim Settle to fly through a table. All right. Out for the Eagles is linebacker DJ Alexander with a hamstring. Cornerback Sidney Jones misses again with a hamstring. Offensive guard Isaac Siamalo is going to be out with the pack. He'll be replaced by Stephen Wisniewski, as has been the case for the last few weeks. Wide receiver Mike Wallace will not make his debut, but it is looking good if the Eagles make the playoffs. He's still coming back from that ankle injury. Carson Wentz is out. Questionable for the Eagles. Michael Bennett with the foot. He's going to play. Linebacker Jordan Hicks is questionable for this game, along with Jason Kelsey and Jason yeah. Peters. Peters looks to be playing. Kelsey looks to be playing. The real question is Jordan Hicks. And I thought last week, again, Jordan Hicks, when he's in there, man, he is the best, playing like the best linebacker on this team. If he's not in, yes. that does negatively impact the way that you not only cover, but the way that you stop the run as well. Right, and that's why I bring up the Hicks is important. Big 90-yard run for Adrian Peterson. Well, it's it's Sidney Jones as the nickel, who obviously won't be playing. And it's Kamugurje Hill as the will, I believe, might have been the yep. Sam, right, who's who's trying to fill. And Grugier Hill gets caught out of position. He doesn't bring good uh, good physicality to the point of contact, and he gets blown out of the hole. Well, with Jordan Hicks healthy, Kamu's not out there. 
that's Jordan Hicks and Nigel Bradham, who are both better run defenders for sure, especially off the ball. Camus pretty good online, not off the ball, uh, than Camus Grugier Hill is. And so Jordan Hicks healthy puts a different guy in that situation, and potentially now you're not even giving up that one big long run. And so absolutely. And, and, and when it comes to this running game, uh, you know, like going through with the Redskins now, same number as drives, almost the exact same number of plays, the exact same number of yards as Tennessee, but they had a three minute advantage in terms of time of possession because of how much they're trying to salt away the clock when they have Josh Johnson in. Listen, 34 total runs and 23 total pass attempts. So, I mean, simply this is going to be a team that is looking to run the football on you, and it's going to help them stay ahead of the sticks. They did not get into too many third and long situations against the Titans, and they were 8 for 14, which when you have a veteran quarterback and you can get him into third and manageable, you're going to be in a good spot because he's going to be able to pick that up, make the first read correctly. It's what Nick Foles does well. Uh, And so you're going to want to get them into third and long, which involves tackle for losses. Philadelphia is one of the best teams in the league at that. And then when it is a first down pass, you're going to have to go get after the quarterback, generate an incompletion, generate a turnover, generate a sack. Obviously, the impact plays we always talk about. Listen, there's a team, 11 carries by running backs against the Texans for 13 yards. Run defense has been playing great with Jordan Hicks in there. It's important that he's healthy. Get control over the running game. This Redskins offense will be neutered pretty quickly. One thing that I'd wished I'd looked up before we started this was how many plays per game the opposing offenses for the Washington Redskins are playing and seeing how their offense impacts that because they're such a run heavy team. You would think because they're going to what they're trying to do here and what they're definitely going to try to do against the Eagles is shorten the game, which is going to limit the opportunities in which the Eagles are going to have to score. So they're going to have to be efficient on their drives if they want to get out ahead and be comfortable in this game. Can they do that against this defense? I think there are opportunities there for the run game. And I think there are opportunities there in the pass game as well. They just have to be efficient. They don't have to be anything mind blowing. They just got to be solid. They can take, they know the advantages. They know the matchups that they want to get against this team. Ben, is there something from this defense that you see that, that could be a problem for the Eagles if they struggle to move the ball? What, what's the, the core issue there for the Eagles if they kind of bog down? What can you see happening there? Jonathan Allen slash Deron Payne. Right. Against Stephen Wisniewski because Sam Wallow's out. Which, man, again, said it on one of the earlier podcasts. Here I am. Wishing Isaac Samuela was healthy so that Steve Wisniewski <laughs> wouldn't play, which is weird. And it, the thing is, I think with a week prep and knowing that he's going to be the starter, I think Wiz is going to be fine. Wiz has always been one of the – Wiz has always been, I would say, just the weakest player on the Eagles' offensive line for the starting five we've gotten used to over the past two, three years. Yeah. But that being said, Wiz, I think, is still a starter on a lot of offensive lines in this league. Uh, and I think Wisniewski will be – Fine out there now that he has, you know, he's been preparing for a week as the starter and he is going to be the starter. Obviously, Wiz also took some snaps at center when Jason Kelsey wasn't practicing. If Kelsey can't go, which Kelsey should be a go, if Kelsey can't go and it's Wiz with Warmack, <laughs> Wiz with Matt Pryor, this is not great. That's going to be the problem. And you're going to get a lot of interior pressure, which I think is something Nick Foles struggles with mightily. Even when he's playing well, interior pressure is a big issue. Foles is much, 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 much more comfortable stepping up and into the pocket versus edge pressure than he is dodging laterally or escaping versus interior pressure. Great point. Right? A hundred times better yep. dealing with edge pressure, climbing the pocket, and delivering a strike. Very strong there. Interior pressure throws him off. That's where I think the Redskins will be able to attack him, especially if you have a whiz, warm axe slash whiz prior situation. Even with just whiz in there, that's probably going to be the player they circle as he is a backup coming in because obviously he's been strong. Uh, he's been good, uh, decent. 
as a starter while he's been in there. So that's what worries me in that regard. The only other thing that I would potentially get worried about in terms of what this defense can bring is that they're going to run squat coverages and they're going to run little trappy stuff to the outside, which they yeah. always have. And they, you know, the, right now they're starting Norman Moreau, Stroman, Norman Moreau, Hicks, and then and Stroman is their nickel. And I think Stroman is bad. Yeah. Obviously, you've got no Swearinger as well. Monte Nicholson is sidelined, and so the safety depth is being challenged. It's DeShazer Everett from. Where's DeShazer Everett from, Mike? I forget. Michael. DeShazer Everett. Come on. I'm so disappointed in you. You should know this. It means a lot to you. So why does it mean a lot to you? Wait me? a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I might be lying. I'm lying. I'm lying. I'm lying. I'm lying. I'm lying. He's not Ooh. the Strasburg kid. He's not the Strasburg kid. That, that's that's Jaquan, whatever his name is. You tried set me up. I you did. You son of a gun. What school? Who is, who is the kid who went to East Stroudsburg and then was a safety? I don't know, Ben. Who is it? Keyshawn Jarrett. Not DeShazer Everett. Keyshawn what? Jarrett was an East Stroudsburg South High School graduate who then went on to play for the Washington Redskins at safety a few years ago. And I was going to say that because I live near East Stroudsburg and Mike's pops, grandpops, 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 coach at East Stroudsburg University. But anyway... Fortunately, Mike's going to cut all this out because he's going to be nice to me. Right, Mike? Yeah, we'll do so that. So it's, it's DeShazer, Everett, and HaHa Clinton Dix who are out there playing safety, along with third safety, Jeremy Reeves of Ooh. Eagles training camp lore, who I thought was really good. And I still think it's pretty good. And so I'm yeah. excited to see him get his, his, uh, his shot. But whatever, that nickel and that safety depth, that's going to be the weakness. I would spend a lot of time attacking the seams with tight ends and attacking the seams with your slot receivers. And I would generally stay away, I think, from Moreau and from Norman, and from the potential for the cover three squat that the Redskins like to use a lot under, you know, Tom Sula and whoever's coordinating their defense, uh, Greg Minuski. I would stay away from the outside corners. That's, I think, where you're going to get the most trouble in terms of your matchups. I think you've got a plus matchup on the inside with your tight end with your slot receivers. That's where I'd be feeding the rock if I was passing the football against the Redskins offense or the Redskins defense. You're going to be fine everywhere, but that's that, that's my read on the secondaries, that they're much weaker up the seams and in the slot than they are on the outside. Short to intermediate area of the field in the middle. Ben, the line on this, no free ads of where I'm getting this from, but it says 41 and a half for the over-under, and the Eagles are favored by a touchdown, so that would put us, let's just say it's 24 to 17. Do the Eagles cover the seven points, and do you have the over or the under? Yeah, they're going to cover the seven. I think they're also going to hit the over. And The reason I think this is because I think the team is playing well, and they would like to win. And so what I'm banking on is like... Hashtag analysis. Yeah. Well, no, it's simply the fact that the offense has been clicking. There's no reason for them to stop clicking against a Redskins defense that's beaten up and really not playing for too much. They only want to play spoiler a little, Mike. I, I would generally stay away from the over, or the, the point total in general, because this could get... A, blowouty, and then you don't hit the total. Or B, the Redskins keep it close. And if they're keeping it close, it's because it's low scoring. And right. so that's going to also hit the under as well. So I would stay away from the point total. But if you give the Redskins a garbage time 7, a garbage time 10 points, maybe this is a game that is able to hit the point total. That being said, Philadelphia should win by more than a touchdown. Uh, you expect Doug Peterson, Nick Foles, to go out there and handle their half of the business uh, pretty comfortably. Again, it, I don't like being as as confident as I am in the results of this game. But simply, this is a Redskins team that, like, at one point was, what, 5-2, and two, right? And then endured significant yeah. injuries, has endured significant quarterback change, and generally was just a bogus, high-ranked team to begin with. There's nothing pointing up about this team. They just underwent 
some like football director changes as well in terms of like their VP of sales and nonsense like that. Like Bruce everything Allen is in disarray. His pearls as per usual, even with like not like the business side of things. It's weird, man. He's got right. like a weird grip on Dan Snyder. It's like some Aladdin stuff with Jafar. I just yeah okay. I <laughs> you have a you have a little kid. Uh, yeah. There's I I don't I don't envision a Redskins team that's up to play pretty significantly. So uh, I'm going to take the Eagles. 27 to 10. Come on, Ben. Would you read my notes? 27 to 10? Uh, you got to change no, it. Mike, because your notes are in Florida and I'm not there. Proof. <laughs> alibi. Vindicated. We're both. I mean, I'm not going to change my score just because you copied me. I was going 27 to 10 as well. I was going to go with the under. I think it's a bit of a grindy game that's going to lead to less plays, less drives. And that's why I'm taking the under there. But the Eagles should win comfortably. So me and Ben, if this score is 27 to 10, we are going to brag about it big time. Ben, speaking of bragging about things, the 82nd ranked sports and recreation Woo! podcast on Apple, on Apple podcast, the number one team brand podcast on iTunes. I can't I can't like that falls under the wayside, but that's so cool to me. Like if you clicked on sports and recreation podcasts and you saw the list of podcasts. Bleeding Green Nation Radio coming to 82, which is really, really cool. And that's awesome. And we're top 100. We were top like 125 for a little bit. And now we're top 100. It's crazy. A lot of that has to do with the fact that we asked for ratings and reviews and we got them. We have like 605 ratings. Now we have like 237 reviews, which is nuts. So we got like a big boost right there. Listen, if you want to see us go even higher in the iTunes ratings, then literally go ahead and rate and review the podcast. That's huge for the algorithm. It clearly boosts us up in a big way. So thank you for that. But 82 is great in and of itself. If there was a little another option under sports and recreation you could toggle to click like covers a league, like covers a sport, or I want just the podcast that cover like a team or even like just a city, like the, the, the sports of a whole freaking city, not just the one team. <laughs> if you toggled that option, yeah. Bleeding Green Nation Radio would be number one. Yeah. There is no podcast that – Folks are enjoying as much or recommending as much or sharing as much or rating as highly, whatever it is, listening to as much than the Philadelphia Eagles podcast, Bleeding Green Nation Radio, when it comes to team and our city podcasts. It, that, to, to me, that is like, like I, I could not care where we stand overall. Right. The fact that we stand in terms of team-specific shows that are focused on one team and that are oriented on, on providing the best possible coverage, stem to stern, different styles, you know, all 22, breaking news, injury reports, playoff scenarios, the NFL draft, the whole nine yards. Stone Cold Steve Austin, <laughs> all of it. Listen, I mean, like, I'm just, I'm, I'm so thankful. I'm so yeah. grateful. I feel so blessed. I mean, how wonderful. It's a, it's a wonderful compliment. So thank you very much. Uh, we're, we're, this is, we're so happy. It's so great. I want the season to continue, man. Cause, uh, that's a great blessing. But anyway, so yeah, uh, if you enjoy the podcast and you have not yet rated or reviewed, uh, man, we, we on the come up, folks. Get on the train before it leaves the station. You know, we're going to start getting articles written about us soon. Be like, wow, these guys are really good. At least that's what's going to happen in my head slash in my diary. So go ahead and leave a rating, leave a review on iTunes, make an account, do the thing. We would really appreciate it. On whatever app you listen to your podcast as well, it's not just iTunes. If you have feedback for us or if you just want to share it so that others can find it and listen to it, please go ahead leave your rating, leave your review. Only five-star ratings are accepted. All other ones will not actually work or go through. So, five stars. Uh, I've been Benjamin Solak on Twitter, at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. He's Michael Kist on Twitter, at Michael Kist NFL. That's K-I-S-T. We have made it to the final week of the season. And as such, Mike, I do not have to know what the next thing we are doing is because <laughs> there's literally no way for me to know what that is. 
uh, hopefully we will be breaking down for you what a game would look like against the Chicago Bears in the wildcard round of the NFC playoffs. Uh, what a story that would be. We just hope that you enjoy watching you know, what is potentially Nick Foles' last game as an Eagle, potentially, uh, definitely his last regular season game as an Eagle. Uh, we hope that you have enjoyed 17 weeks of the show. It sure seems like you have. And we hope that you stick with us as we transition, potentially, from regular season to postseason or regular season to playoff season. And uh, playoffs, obviously, you can expect the same outlook that we always give you for the weekly games. Postseason, you can expect NFL draft preparation and, of course, playoff discussion as well. We thank you so much for listening to the podcast. No matter what, we will catch you for the postgame show, Eagles-Redskins, Week 17, on Monday. Thank you so much for listening. We all we got, we all we need. Fly, Eagles, fly. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.